You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. We are in week number four of a series called Ephesians, where we are looking at one specific book of the Bible, the book of Ephesians that can be found in the New Testament. And it's a very short book. It's only six chapters, but it's a very powerful book. It's one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. And uh, there's a guy by the name of John McKay, and John McKay is the former president of Fuller Theological Seminary. And I found out this week that he actually made a decision to get saved, to give his life to Jesus, reading the book of Ephesians. And this is what he said. He said, to this book, to the book of Ephesians, I owe my life. It is the greatest, the maturest, and for our time, the most relevant of all Paul's works. For here is the distilled essence of the Christian religion, the most authoritative and most consummate compendium that's a big word, of our holy Christian faith. This letter is pure music. What we read here is truth that sings doctrine set to music. And in week one of this series, we talked about the fact that this letter, that this book of the Bible, Ephesians, is actually divided into two parts. The first is the first three chapters of the book, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, and that is all about understanding the gospel. It is full of doctrine and theology, and it really explains in detail some of the foundations of faith that, that we believe as Christians. But then the book turns, and the last three chapters, Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, is all about living the gospel. It talks about how to practically live out the gospel in our day-to-day lives. And so, so far in the first three weeks of this series, we have focused on that front half of the book. We focused on Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 and understanding the gospel. And today we are shifting our focus from the first three chapters to the last three chapters of living the gospel. And today we're looking at 16 verses in Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, by the way, this is one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. And here's what the first 16 verses says. We're just going to let the word of God minister to us, and then we'll talk all about it. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Therefore, so after all the things that you've just read in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, all that theology, all that doctrine, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit Just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father, who is over all and in all and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended, This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one 
who ascended higher than all the heavens, just like Pastor Steve said, so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And the church said a good amen. Today, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, I want to talk for the next few minutes over this topic, the church God sees, the church that God sees. Now, almost every single day, I try to start my day with some one-on-one time with God that I call my quiet time. Now, during this time, I get up, I try to get up before everybody in my house gets up. Uh, just so I can have some time just with me and God. And, and I make coffee and, and I have a cup of coffee and I sit down, have my Bible. And so I read my Bible for about an hour and I pray and I read, I journal a lot. And I just spend one-on-one time with God. And by the way, this, I just want you to know, this is the number one thing that has made the biggest difference in my relationship with God over the years. I'm so thankful for this. I love church. I love coming and lifting up the name of Jesus together and experiencing the presence and the power of God. But I'm telling you, we need more than this. And so every single day, I spend time with God and he, and he talks to me and I talk to him. It's, it's such a special time. But in 2015, It was a random Tuesday. There was nothing special about this Tuesday at all. But during my quiet time, God spoke to me and he spoke something to me that he never told me before. And he spoke to me about starting a brand new church. My first reaction was this, no, (laughs) I do not want to do that. But from that time, and then fast forward about a little over four years, Four years later, on September 16th, 2018, I found myself in the city of Cincinnati, starting Queen City Church right here at Withrow High School. This is actually a picture from launch Sunday. It was an incredibly special day. We didn't know if anybody would show up. 642 people showed up, and the best news is 42 people gave their life to Jesus on that day. And that was the start of our church. And from that day until this day, I'm telling you, God's just done immeasurably more than what we could ask or imagine. But let me tell you what that four-year stretch was for me. Because from that Tuesday in my quiet time until September 16, 2018, that four-year journey, the majority of that time for me was trying to articulate the church that God had put on the inside of me. 
I was trying my very best to articulate the vision of the church that God has given me because I knew that he had given me a unique expression of a church. It didn't exist before. I knew it was gonna be life-giving, but I tried my very best to articulate. And, and truthfully, I'm still doing that today. I, I think 78% of my job is trying to figure out how to say something. And so for that four years, I tried my very best to paint the picture of the church that was in my heart. And we actually created this and this is a little little pre-launch magazine that we made. And inside of it has a bunch of stuff. And I'm very proud of this. This is actually, I believe, the very last one in existence. So you cannot have this. But if you want to see it, come ask me and I may let you see it. But inside of this is something I wrote called The Church I See. And in that, I tried to articulate, man, this is the church that I believe that God has called us to be. Well, in the book of Ephesians, those 16 verses that we read, Paul does the same thing. He paints this picture of not just the church that he sees, but the church that God sees. And he says that in these 16 verses, that the church that God sees is three things. That it's a united church, it's a mobilized church, and it's a mature church. So let's break those three things down. If you're taking notes, write down number one. He says the church that God sees is a united church. It's a united church. We see this in the first six verses where Paul writes, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God always at all times, be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. And then he says this, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all, in all and living through all. Paul says, oh, the church that God sees it's a united, it's a unified church. But he also makes it very clear that, that this unified church is gonna take some effort. Like it's gonna take some work. It's gonna take some intentionality. In fact, is it okay if I'm just a grammar nerd for just a moment? Is it okay? Is it okay? I know, I know that some of you are well out of school and this is triggering you, but like, let me just be a grammar nerd just for a moment. Then we'll jump back into Bible, okay? But that, that phrase in that scripture, make every effort, is a present participle verb. A present participle verb, which means it's happening right now. That it's not happening in the past or in the future that it's all the time in the present. Here's what this means. This means that we must constantly be making every single effort, that we must always be making effort, that we can never stop because whenever we stop, we'll actually start to go backwards. And that's because I've discovered that unity, being unified, that that's always uphill. 
It's going to take, that's why he says, man, you got to keep making effort, every single effort, every single day, because the truth is that whenever you stop, you'll start to go backwards. And this is actually a very big deal at our church. We actually have 10 values as a church, and these 10 values answer the question, what makes us uniquely us as a church? It's really our DNA. And we have signs that have our 10 values, but more than signs, man, I, I pray that you experience our values more than see our values. Because it really, like, it, it, it's a filter for how we make decisions. And one of our 10 values is actually unity is our pursuit. And we, and we, we use this language of pursuit, a big part of because of what Paul says in Ephesians chapter four. Like we, we use that language very intentionally because the truth is unity always has to be pursued. It, it's, it's always uphill. Like we're never gonna accidentally be unified. Like it, it, it takes effort. And so it always has got to be pursued. And let me just pause right here and let me make this crystal clear. What we're talking about is unity, not uniformity. So please hear this loud and clear. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is not all of us looking the same, sounding the same, fitting a certain mold, or having the same exact perspective, experiences, personality, or preferences. And I want you to know that from the very beginning of our church, from before day one, I've been praying every single day for a unified church that looks like heaven. I have prayed for that. I have been on my knees begging God that he would make us a unified church that looks like heaven. And if you want a picture of what that actually looks like, God in his mercy actually tells us in Revelation chapter seven, listen to how heaven is described here. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language. Such incredible diversity. If you don't like diversity, you will not like heaven. Can I say that? Is that cool? Okay. And here's what that group of people are doing. They're standing in front of the throne and before the lamb, before Jesus. And they're shouting with a great roar, salvation comes only from our God who sits on the throne and from the lamb. So church, you need to know, yes, we are different. Yes, we have differences. We don't all look the same, sound the same, act the same, think the same, have the same perspectives, have the same personalities and preferences and backgrounds. But church, may we never forget that what unites us is greater than what divides us. The truth is, like, there are some things that may try its very best to divide us, but I'm telling you what unites us is so much stronger, and what unites us is Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, our King. And the Bible says that at the name of Jesus, that the name of Jesus is above every other name. And let me just make this crystal clear, is that the name of Jesus is over every single name of anything that would ever divide us. That the name of Jesus unites us. That is what unites us. And Paul says, oh man, the church that God sees, it is a united church. Second thing that he says is that the church that God sees is a mobilized 
church. And if you want to write another word, it's an active church. That it's mobilized. It's not still. In Ephesians, we see this a few places in the verses that we read. In verse 7, it says, However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. In, in, in verse 11, it says, Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And then in verse 16, it says, he makes the whole body, the church, fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Paul says the church that God sees is a mobilized church. It's an active church. Now, how many of you, just to have a little bit of fun in church today, how many of you know that there are some things, by show of hands, that are better left to the professionals? How many of you know that there are certain things, just let the pros do that. I instantly think of uh, flying a plane. Um, that is something that is better left to the professionals. You don't want some rando with access to YouTube and Google to do that job. Like you want a trained professional pilot to do that job. I, I think about having surgery. Like you don't want somebody just random to just be cutting you open and doing some work on that. No, you want a trained professional surgeon with a lot of college loans and student debt to do that job. You just do. There's all types of things where, man, some things in life, are better left up to the professionals. And I'm afraid, church, that that mentality has crept its way into the church. That it's easy for you to take that same approach into the church and say, oh no, like ministry, that is better left up to the professionals. That's only for the professional ministers. Like, Pastor Brian, that's your job. Ministry, that's your job. Oh, the leadership team, that's your job. But the truth is, that's not what the word of God says. Paul says in Ephesians chapter four, verse 12, you wanna know my job? Here's my job. My job is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Here's what the word of God says, that my job is not to do the ministry. My job is to equip you to do the ministry. The second that I start doing the ministry is the second that I'm robbing you of what God's called you to do. I am not the ministers. Get this, get this, get this. We are the ministers. That is what the word of God says, that we are the ministers, that that's who we are. And in other place in the Bible, this is something you see throughout the Bible. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Let me pause right here and let me ask you a simple yes or no question that I would love a verbal response from. Yes or no question, simple, simple. Are you an each Yes. 
So this, so according to the word of God, if you're in each, that means God has given you at least one spiritual gift from his great variety. And then he goes on to say, here's why I've given it to you. Use them, those gifts, well to serve one another. So if you are here and you have breath in your lungs, if your heart is beating, I want you to know that God has given you at least one spiritual gift. And this verse says that he gave it to you for a reason, and that is to serve people. So here are my very simple questions for you as we're thinking about this part of Ephesians chapter four. Number one, do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Do you know what those are? And then number two, if you know your spiritual gifts, are you using them right now to serve people? Because that is why God gave them to you. And by the way, that is what step two of Growth Track is all about today. And my favorite part of step two, which I think is very unique, because the truth is we give you like a very short, fast personality test. But the truth is many of you have grown up with personality tests and you know those very well. Like you're not gonna, a lot of you, 90% of you won't learn anything about your personality in there. You're like, yeah, I get it. I know my Enneagram. I know my Myers-Briggs. I do. I know my color, whatever, whatever, there's like a billion of them, right? And you know them all, you know them all. But what you may not know is your spiritual gifts. And my favorite part of Grow Track Step 2 is that we give you a spiritual gifts assessment because there are like three different parts in the Bible that list spiritual gifts. And we help you figure out maybe just, may, and, and the Bible says that we all have at least one of them. And so we do our very best to help you, one, know your spiritual gift and know how you can actually express and use that gift within our church. So if you're on the sidelines, I want you to know today that God did not create you to be on the sidelines. God made you to be in the game. God created you to be active, to be mobilized. So consider this your official invitation to get off the sidelines and to get into the game. But let me make this crystal clear. I'm not just talking about Sundays. God did not give you a spiritual gift to serve people only for a compartmentalized hour of the week. God gave you spiritual gifts to be able to serve people, yes, here, but everywhere all the time to make a difference every single place that you go, to live every single day, everywhere you go on mission. And Paul says, oh, you wanna know the church that God sees? It is a mobilized, active church. The last thing that Paul says is he says, man, the church that God sees is a mature church. It's a mature church. We see this in verse 13, where he writes, this will continue until we all come to such unity, there's that word again, in our faith and knowledge of God's son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. There will no longer, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching, we will not be influenced when people try to 
trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, of his body, the church. Paul says the church that God sees is a mature church. Now, the truth is there are a lot of indicators of maturity. But let me make this crystal clear. Spiritual maturity is not determined by your age. Age does not always equal maturity. Like spiritual maturity is not always measured by how long you've been saved or by how much you go to church. You aren't measured by your spiritual maturity by how many minutes and hours that you clock in physically present at church. That's not how it works. Spiritual maturity is not even determined by knowledge, by how much you know. I met many people in my life who've been saved, who have given their lives to Jesus, who have been going to church for years and decades, who even know a lot about God, a lot of facts about God or the Bible or spiritual topics, but deep down are still very spiritually immature. Like that, that's not what determines spiritual maturity. No, spiritual maturity is determined by things like surrender, by trust, by obedience, by dependency, by humility, by teachability, by selflessness, by closeness with God. In other words, let me just break this down, that the more you surrender, the more you stop trying to control everything, the more that you let go, the more that you trust God, the more spiritually mature that you are. Like the more that you give God access to every single area of your life where you don't play this religious game of compartmentalization where you just, okay, this is where God neatly fits into my life. But whenever you say, God, you have full access to everything in my life, that there's not one thing where I don't invite you in and where I don't realize that I'm so dependent on you, that I need you there and I want you there. The more that we do that, the more spiritually mature that we are, the more teachable you are, that the, the, the more that, 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 that somebody can actually invest in you and teach you, the more spiritually mature you are. I'm telling you, if nobody can coach you, if nobody can correct you, fellas, if nobody can check you, you know what I'm saying? If nobody can coach you, if you're not teachable, if, I'm sorry, you're not spiritually mature the more selfless you are, the more that life is not about you and what you want and your desires, the more it's about others, the more it's about Jesus, the more humble that you are, the more spiritually mature that you are. The closer you are to God, I'm telling you, the more spiritually mature that you are. You can't be spiritually mature and relationally distant and far from God. And in these verses, Paul actually highlights two very specific indicators of spiritual maturity. He says, there's a whole list of indicators, but Paul's like, I've got to highlight two of them. He says, first, one of the indicators is how you respond to new false teaching. That is an indicator of maturity, like how you respond to teaching that is simply not true teaching that does not line up with the word of God or the ways of Jesus. And he says that 
that immature people that when they hear teaching like that, they're tossed and blown around by every single new false teaching that's out there. And truthfully, just as a pastor, this is one of my greatest concerns for you, especially living in today's culture. I'm concerned that there's people that are getting the majority of their beliefs, theology, and ethics from random people on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook, rather than from the unfailing, perfect word of God. Listen, just because something is said with conviction, it doesn't mean that it's true. Just because something is popular, just because something is culturally normal, it doesn't mean that it's true. Just because something sounds true, just like Paul says, it doesn't mean that it's true. So please be careful. Let me just put my pastor hat on for a moment and let me just help you because anytime that you hear anything, I want you to ask yourself this question. Does this line up with the word of God and the ways of Jesus? Every time you hear anything. And let me be clear. I'm not just talking about when you're in the big bad world. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you hear things from me up here. Like, please, don't let this be the only meal you eat all week. I don't care how good it is. You cannot live on one meal a week. And spiritually mature people, man, they're eating throughout the week. So when you hear anything, when you hear something on the internet, when you hear something on the news, on both of the channels, <laughs> if you hear anything from up here, trust me, like I do my very best to be able to, to, do, to hear God, to be able to speak to you what I feel like God is speaking to me. And I try my very best and I study. I probably put 25 hours into the message this week trying to make sure that what I'm saying is not heresy. But let me tell you how I'm presenting this to you in my soul. It literally is saying, God, would you please use these very imper this imperfect person and this imperfect word? And God, I pray that you would do that. I'm trying my very best, but there may be times where I get it wrong. But what I'm asking is that every single time you hear anything, you ask that question and you say, man, does this line up with the word of God and the ways of Jesus? And you cannot do that unless you know God's word and you know the ways of Jesus. So you have to, have to, have to know that. And Paul says, man, you want to know one indicator of spiritual maturity is how you respond to new false teaching. And the last one, he says, another indicator is how you speak. Remember where he says that you will speak the truth in love. And in the original language, I love it because um, it literally means truth. Get this word picture, truth wrapped and surrounded in love. That's the picture that Paul's painting. Your words it should be truth wrapped like a big burrito in love. And um, you need to know truth matters. Well, how many know that? Truth matters. But how we say the truth matters. And one of my pastors, he would always say this. I think it's so helpful that truth without love 
is mean. But love without truth is meaningless. But truth and love, oh, the world needs this so much. Together, that's good medicine. That is what, and, and God's word here says, oh, you, you want to know some maturity? Maturity is that last one. It's truth and love together that does that. Spiritually mature people constantly speak the truth in love. So the church that God sees is a united church, a mobilized church, and a mature church. Now, before we end and we go into our response time, um, I want to remind you of something that is very, very important whenever we're having a conversation like this. Because I think it's very important to not lose sight of the fact that the church is not a building. Thank God we don't have one. We're meeting in a school right now, people. (laughs) The church is not a building. I think it's important to know and remember that the church is not just an organization. The church is not just a government-approved 501c3. That the church is not, guys, let's remember that the church is not just a 75-minute worship service. We have to remember that the church is the people of God. Like we don't go to church, we are the church. And when Paul says that the church that God sees is a united church, a mobilized church, and a mature church, he's not talking about a united, mobilized, mature building or organization. He's not talking about a united, mobilized, mature, 75-minute worship service. He's talking about a united, mobilized, mature group of individual people. He's talking about me. He's talking about you. He's talking about us. So here's what that means. So us, people that call Queen City Church home, us becoming the church that God sees, the united, mobilized, mature church that God sees, that just doesn't fall on me. That just doesn't fall on people that have name tags right now. That it just doesn't fall on our leadership team and people who lead worship. Like that falls on all of us. For us to be the church that God sees, it's gonna take more than just one person that's trying to make that happen. For us to be the church that God sees, it takes every single one of us saying that when I read that, God is talking to me. He's not just talking to somebody on the other side of the auditorium. I'm saying, no, God, he's not... God, you're not talking about a building. You're not talking about an organization. You're not talking about a 501c3. And you're not talking about a church service. You're talking about me. And so for us to be that type of church, it's gonna take us saying, I'm in. I say yes to be in the church that God has called me to be, that we all have a part to play and we all have to take personal responsibility. So as we end today, let me just ask you this simple question. How are you doing individually in those three areas? If there's been a moment 
over the last 35 minutes as I've been sharing and you're thinking through the filters of how's the church doing in that? I want to flip it on you. We are the church. So how are you doing in that? All week long, I tell you, me and God dealt with these three things. How am I doing in that? How am I doing in being unified with people? Is there any unity that I need to pursue? Because that's who God's called us to be. Make every single effort. So maybe during our response time, you need to go and you need to ask God for strength and wisdom for how to pursue unity. Maybe you need to go have a conversation and pursue it right here, right now. How how you doing? We'll be immobilized. You on the sidelines, you in the game. You making a difference. Do you know the gifts that God's given you? Are you using them to serve people? Maybe for you, the response is say, yes, I'm in. I'm doing it. Come learn about them today. Maybe it's, I need to start doing that at my job. I need to not have compartmentalization so much. God, you put me there for a reason. Maybe. How you doing in being mature? How you doing on those two things that he talked about? I want to take a moment that over the next, this is what we want to do. We want to create space for us every single week to look ourselves in the spiritual mirror and say, God, what are you saying to me? And that's why that we're doing this response time. If you're here for the very first time, we'd love to take some time before we go and go to our normal lives and do all these things to hear God and respond. That's our one goal during the next eight to 10 minutes. And to help you, we've, we've created some different ways that you can respond and they're gonna put those ways on the screen. If you are serving in one of those areas, I would love for you to go and make your way there now, go quickly. I wanna get to this time. I think, I think God wants to do something really significant here. And just quickly, let me just walk you through what we're doing. If, if you look on both sides of the stage, we have, we have a, a space where you can receive communion that if today part of what you need to do is to remember what Jesus has done for you, like David talked about during our worship set, just to remember, come back to Jesus and just remember what he's done. Maybe you wanna take that with a group of people and pray together. Maybe you wanna do that with your spouse if you're married. Beside that um, is, is a tall bistro table and on there is places for you to submit prayer requests. And there's really two different ones that are up there. One is just, if you have anything that our team can pray for throughout the week, go and write that down. But also very important that there's people in your life that don't know Jesus. And we have some cards up there and you can write down their name and you can pray over them. And we're gonna pray and we're gonna believe that they will come to know Jesus. Another way that you can respond is maybe there's an area in your life, big or small, connected to the message, not connected to the message. And you need prayer today, like you need prayer. You need somebody to pray over you and pray with you. And so our prayer team is available on the sides. And during this time, we'd love to pray for you. And then last but not least, in the back, on both sides of the outside aisles, is another tall bistro table and somebody from our team there. And the sign says, follow Jesus. And if you're here and you need to make the decision to follow Jesus, to give him your life, maybe that is for the very first time, or maybe you did in the past, but today you just know, you just need to get right with God. 
Maybe today you have just a question about faith and you're wrestling with faith. And I encourage you during this response time, there's gonna be all types of people moving. You, you will not be singled out at all. And if you need to be able to have a conversation about faith, we'd be honored to do that today with you at, that, at those areas. And last is that we're gonna take some time and our team's gonna come and they're gonna lead us. We're gonna have some time of worship. It's gonna be beautiful. And during that time, maybe you just need to spend one-on-one time with God. Maybe that's in your seat. Maybe you need to maybe get out of, of your seat and the front's gonna be open for you if you wanna do that. But just we're gonna take some time to just respond in those five ways. And, and here's, here's what I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask all of us to respond, 100% participation. But more than anything, I wanna ask you to be courageous that I believe that God's been speaking to you and that God's gonna lead you in a response to do one, two, a few of those things. Well, you have the courage to do it. You won't be the only one. We're all gonna respond today. It's gonna be an amazing time here before we leave. Okay, why don't you stand to your feet? And when you stand to your feet, will you just bow your heads just for a moment? Will you just ask God this question? Will you just ask God, what are you saying to me today? Will you just pray that in your heart? Say, God, what are you saying specifically to me? Maybe ask him this, what does my response need to be to this message? See, I believe God's been speaking to you. And right now we have an opportunity to be able to respond to what God is saying. And so God, right now, we invite you into this space over the next few minutes. And God, we give you permission to be able to do what you wanna do. And God, I just ask right now in Jesus' name, would you open up our heart to receive from you? Would you open up our eyes to see you and our ears to hear you? And God, I pray that you will fill this place with courage to be able to respond to whatever you are saying. God, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And so God, would you do ministry over the next few minutes as we respond to what you've been saying to us? We thank you for your presence. And it's through Jesus we pray, amen. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at queencitypeople or visit queencitypeople.com.